Religion loves Jesus the teacher, is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, there is nothing that can stop you. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. This is the Fire Podcast. Chapter 7. And we're going to start reading in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man whose house is built on sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and grave was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not the scribes. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to our hearts tonight. God, I pray that in this moment of what you're doing with these friends, God, I pray in this moment what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask that you come and take the seed of your word and that you bring it into our hearts in a way that will make us more like you. That I believe because I've been in this room and, and, have, and have heard the, the sounds of worship, that I believe there's a yes in the hearts of my friends in this room. But God, we ask right now, would you come? Would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? And would you cause your word to bear good fruit in our lives? We love you. We bless you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. 
You guys all right? Cool. It's good. So I was praying about this trip, and, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a crazy uh, month for us. We've had a lot of really good things happening, but we've been traveling. And I realized whenever I travel, I like to be present where I am without trying to think too much about all the things that haven't happened on the next thing, right? That's one of the things that Jesus said in Matthew 6, right? He just tells us, like, hey, what's going on today is enough. So I'm in Boston, and I'm thinking about this trip. I'm in New York City, I'm thinking about this trip. We had a few days at home, I'm thinking about this trip. And every time I would think about you guys, every time I think about this time, I would have this thought that, that came that was really a memory. It wasn't like I, I didn't think it was this word, but it was connected to the first part of the scripture we read. And that is when we were getting started in Grove City, you know, we, we had a, a vision in our hearts to, to try to follow Jesus in a way where we'd make disciples, equip them, and send them out. And so every time I would try to share what was in my heart, people would say, that sounds really interesting. I don't understand. And in some ways, I would like get it. Like we were not meeting in a big building. We were gathering people's houses. We, we started our church with soup nights. Inviting college students who were hungry and maybe needed some time away from campus to, to come to our house and have soup. And then we'd say, hey, if you want to come back on Sunday night, we're going to worship and pray. We're going like, to get to the Word. And as that happened, there were, the Word got out. And some people started to say, we don't think that what they're doing is right. And I just started thinking about my conversations that, I mean, over the last... 12 years with Ryan, but specifically the conversations over the last year of what God has been doing as a group of people that are trying to figure out what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? What does it look like to gather together around God's presence? I would hear stories about things happening in coffee shops and living rooms. I would hear things that were happening at birthday parties and conversations over dinners together and realize God is doing something. But as you guys continue to make steps, it's likely that what you do will not look like what everyone thinks a cookie cutter should look like. And when that happens, some people will start to not know what to think about that. That happened in our little town. <coughs> it's very similar to Seattle. <laughs> For people that live there. It's rains a lot. It's cloudy a lot. But you know what? Pretty much, I've been a lot of different places. Pretty much, the same gospel that you need here is what we need in Grove City. It's what they need in Mozambique and what they need in London. Don't let the enemy psych you out about darkness here. I trust you. The power of the gospel is more than sufficient. But I have this man in my life named Jim Irvin. We'll call him Grandpa Jim because that makes it sound so great to see you. Everybody say Grandpa Jim. Grandpa Jim. Grandpa Jim. All right. So Grandpa Jim said, oh, don't worry about that. And I said, but these guys think that we're doing something wrong. In fact, they are using the C word. They think we're a cult. Why do they think we're a cult? We're just like worshiping, having soup. Like we, we, often we didn't worship while we were having soup. <laughs> and he'd say, don't worry about it. You know, they thought Jesus was a call leader. You just follow Jesus and make disciples 
churches in our area had a lot of students. They were actually about 25 minutes out of town, but they had a lot of students driving from the, from the small college where we were at up to that church, and they were the they were some of the main people in their cult. And after about, I don't know, a couple years, all of a sudden I got a, a there was a guy who came over to uh, the building that we had, and uh, when we first get started, like when Ryan first was coming, like we would have these worship nights once, we didn't have a building, once a, once a month we would have worship nights in a coffee shop, and you know, at the very beginning there was like, you know, 15, 20 people, then there was 30 people, then there was 40 people, and eventually there was like 150 people in this coffee shop, and the owner that we can't do this no more, right? We had like people sitting on the steps going up, up and they were up at the top, she's like the fire marshal. And we were just trying to figure things out, so we had this building we bought for you know, missions and prayer. And this guy came to the door and knocked on the door, and I went down and I met him. His name is Jesse, and he introduced himself. And now he's the pastor of this church that thinks we're a cult. And he said, Hey, I've been like hearing all this stuff about you guys, but I've just been meeting some of your people at the coffee shop. It sounds like they really love Jesus. Can we talk? So we built a friendship. And then he said, would you come and preach at my church? So what I kept feeling, and I shared with Brian last week, and I was just praying, it's like, it's so important the season you're in, just to know that if you are faithful with the thing that God has put in front of you as an individual, and the thing that God has invited you to together, there will be some people who do not know what to think about it. But you can't get distracted. Jesus said here in the midst of this passage as he's winding down, this is the close of his longest teaching. And he says twice, they'll know you by your fruits. They'll know the, they'll know the things that aren't good. There's, there's a lot of good people who can get up and say a good speech whose hearts are far from God. And can I just tell you, I think we're witnessing right now a generation saying, I don't know that the Jesus that I read about in Scripture is what that looks like. And they've seen things that have happened in all types of different expressions of churches. So not me bashing the church and all. I love the church. I'm really committed to what God wants to do in the church. But do you understand, like, we're seeing an expression of people who are hungry for an authentic expression of Jesus without having... A lot of things that just have a point through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. So again, God, I, I love the fact that when we follow Jesus, we have people who follow Jesus. Like, we have friends that we have uh, been involved in their lives, and they're involved in pastoring and leading mega churches. And then we have friends that we've been involved in, in following Jesus with them and, and mentoring them, discipling them. They're in like the Orthodox Church. And we have, I got invited to go speak at the Catholic Charismatic Conference this last summer. And I went there, and let me tell you, those Catholic Charismatics went out into the street. God was showing off. These people were like, we're teaching them how to go prayer walk. And there are people who see us coming, and they're like, what are you guys doing? Are you praying for people? Do you have a word from God for me? In New England. I thought, man, God is moving. There's all kinds of different expressions of what church looks like. But what he said was, they'll know you by your fruit. <clears throat> so I just felt like tonight, I really wanted to share with you a couple things I've learned about fruitfulness and how we don't get distracted by it. One of the biggest corrections I've ever made in my life came in this place of me trying to know myself by my fruit. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say, you'll know yourself by your fruit. 
He said, no, I'll tell you by your fruit. Okay? So I want us to pivot over to John 15. We're going to read a few scriptures of John 15. And, and most of what we're going to talk about from scripture tonight is going to come here in the next two minutes. From John 15, and I think a real place of, I want to talk to you guys about what we can do to maximize fruitfulness in our lives for Jesus. And as we give ourselves to being fruitful, we will allow God to receive glory from our lives in a way that empowers us to follow Jesus and not to worry about our reputation. I sense that's really important for what God wants to do to this church in Seattle. Okay? Alright? Philippians chapter 2, remember what Jesus said right here in John 15. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 through 10, it says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. I wasted a lot of time and energy trying to protect my reputation. And it like, hit me like a freight train whenever I was reading that passage. I will never be able to follow Jesus as long as I'm busy trying to protect my reputation. If I'm a follower one who made himself of no reputation, I can't live my life trying to protect mine. So I think John 15 gives us the secret of how we can live wholeheartedly for him, make an impact for him, but do it his way. Okay? That good? Alright, John chapter 15. Uh, this is, in, in a similar way, who can tell us what's happening here in John 15? What's going on here? The vine. Ooh, good, good stuff happening in the vine. What is, what's, where is this, uh, where is this talk happening? Is he, is he hearing another message on a mountaintop? With the thousands of people? No, this is just with the disciples in the upper room. On the night before he died, John 13 through 17 gives us a beautiful chronicle of Jesus' last night on the earth. I think it's so important that we immerse ourselves in what he says. And again, I'm not going to go verse by verse through anything, but I, I wish I could. I wish we could pause time and do this. But I will say this, at the very beginning of John 13, it says this, that Jesus says this time was for him to return to his father. And having loved his own in the world, he loved them till the end. And so he sets the scene for us by washing his disciples' feet. And there's so much we can learn through what he does as he washes their feet and then releases a new commandment. The only time I can find in, in Scripture where Jesus says, hey, you've heard this said before, but now I'm going to tell you you have something to replace that. Remember what he was, the old commandment was? You've heard it said, love your neighbors as yourself, but now a new commandment I'm going to give to you, and this is it, love one another the way I love you. It's a completely impossible commandment to, to obey outside of the power and presence of God in us, of the Holy Spirit in us. I cannot love Luke as much as I do love Luke. I cannot love Luke the way that Jesus loves me unless I humble myself to receive the love of God for Luke. Does that make sense? And this whole idea of what it means for us to love one another is, is crazy. So this is what's taking place before this. We're, we're hearing this. We're hearing these promises that Ryan has held on to, that we were talking about earlier, that greater things we're going to do in John 14. So much beautiful stuff. And in John 15, he's coming out to this apex where he said, okay, here's what's going to happen. In John 15, he starts out by saying, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you abide in me, and I in you. We have this picture here that's taking place. Let's just assign the roles, make sure we understand. What does Jesus say that he is in this story? He is the vine. And what is the father? Father is the vine dresser. And what are we? We are the branches. Say, I'm a branch. It's really important that we understand this because the invitation from Jesus here was not for us to grow ourselves up. But the invitation that he says here in just a few minutes leads to us having much fruit that remains is for us to abide in him. If you like the Bible, I'm going to give you a hint. John 15 and the book of 1 John overwhelmingly are the places where you can read this word abide in any place in the Bible. And the guy who wrote 1 John, many think people think he was between 18 and 21, leaning against the chest of Jesus when this was being spoken. So if you want to know more about what abide means, I would advise you to take some time to read the book of 1 John because he gets very explicit about what it means to abide. But for the sake of this conversation, what it means to abide, I always thought it meant to abide meant I was taught it means to dwell, to dwell with. And that's, that's important. But it's, it's more than that. The idea of abide means to be present with. Who's married in the room? Raise your hands. How many of you know it's possible to dwell in the same house without being present with each other? Right? You ever seen that happen? And it's rough sometimes. You go, you go in a place, you'll, you know, it's happened to me. Glad my wife walked out of the room for this. But uh, I always say, as I observe other people, it can happen. You see people on a date and they spend their time on the phone looking up other things. Am I being present? Not being present if I'm distracted by something else. What Jesus was saying is, I am the vine. My Father is the vine dresser. You're the branches. Now, abide in me. Dwell with me. Be present with me. Grow your connection with me. They will know you by your fruit. What Jesus is saying is, if you want to have fruit that remains, if you want to have a lot of fruit that remains, here's the best thing that you can do today. Grow your connection. Dwell with me. Be present. Walk with me. As, let's, let's look the other night, I know I just paraphrased it, let's look the other night, and then we'll, we'll kind of take a couple of lessons learned here. Verse 5, I am the I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me, and I am him, in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. How many of you ever tried that before? Right? Have you ever had those seasons of life where you feel like you tried to do fruitfulness without him? Oh, yeah. Man, yeah, I've done that. As a matter of fact, one of the most life-changing moments that I've ever had was this place where I was trying, our church was starting to grow. We had different simple churches happening. It wasn't, you know, very big. We had this thought of having this disciple equipment release. That was all well and good, except when we started to release people, that went against the ideas that I thought about what church growth should look like. Because every time we seemed to gain critical mass, we'd send people out. And we weren't sending out the people that 
didn't care and didn't really love Jesus, we seem to send out the people who were the best at making disciples and pointing other people to Jesus. And so there was a group of people in Grove City that were like, yeah, we'll be the settlers that like send other people out. Like a lot of people that we love are all scattered all over the place now. And it did not help me build an impressive church. And so I began to, to prayer complain. Have you ever prayer complain before? We're prayer complaining about what I think my story should look like and see what God has allowed my story to look like. Because the church was starting to grow. There was people who started to say, hey, you guys are doing something different. Can we come and talk to you? And I was asked to be a consultant for several people. It was very important. <laughs> and God just spoke to me really clearly. He said, stop trying to build what I want to grow. Stop trying to build what I want to grow. John 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and you will bear much fruit. And I started to think about, okay, he's the vine, I'm a branch, Cody's a branch, Ryan's a branch. What is the role of the apostolic mission of my life? <laughs> Do you know you can't build a grape? You cannot build a grape. You cannot manufacture a tomato or a tomato. This is very humbling for someone who wants to have an impressive ministry. I try to figure out, okay, we're not, we're not a grape factory. I'm not even a vine factory. And best for a collection of branches. And as I know the king and walk with him, he shows his kingdom through me. 
And I want to be on purpose in doing that, but it's not my job to make the fruit grow. It's my job to abide in the vine. And when I abide in the vine, what does he say? So what he's told me to do is stop looking at the branch where all the fruit's at and turn around and just face the vine. Because do you know, in agriculture, some of the most important things that happen for fruitfulness is not when you're seeing the fruit grow out in the branch. Is that true? How many of you are walking through seasons like that right now? It doesn't necessarily feel like the most exciting, invigorating time. Oh, look, everything I'm doing is just coming up roses. In fact, some of you are walking through seasons where it seems that the more you give yourself to Jesus, you're not seeing the things happen on any of the branch that you want to see. I would say give yourself to growing your connection to Jesus and trust the vine. When you trust the vine, he is trustworthy. He will cause fruit to remain. You guys good? Yeah. Who's the vine? Jesus. Who's the vine dresser? What are we? We're branches. <clears throat> and for us, I'm going to say, I had no one to say myself to say the ministry I was trying to lead. All we were supposed to do, we weren't trying to make growth. We were just supposed to support the growth that was taking place between the vine branches. I'm not responsible. So sometimes I get a chance to be around someone like Ryan, or he, he mentioned Ryan and Jasmine and David. I get a chance to meet these people, and, and some people come up and say, aren't you so proud of what you've invested in these people, how you found them, and you, no, are you kidding me? This guy's created in the image of God. He's not made in my image. He's made in the image of the one who is worthy. When we walk with someone, we it's kind of like I remember some of those moments with, with, with Ryan. I remember it's like we it's like we're trying to walk through things in a way that we're we're learning. Like we're we're learning. What does it mean for us to do this in a way we come out looking more like Jesus? <clears throat> and that is what we need to do today. That's what Belltown needs, it's what Seattle needs, it's what Pacific Northwest needs, it's what Grove City, Pennsylvania needs, it's there's not a place in there that doesn't followers of Jesus to be more connected to him so that the fruitfulness of his life remains. I had a lot of times in my life whenever I was young in my ministry, I had good I had good fruit stands and the fruit didn't seem to last very long. Because it was a lot more about what I could manufacture than what he was producing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Okay. You, you feel like you got that point. Yes. So in, in the place of fruitfulness <clears throat> They'll know us by fruit, but it's not my job to make the fruit happen. It's my opportunity. It's my invitation to grow my connection with Jesus. And as I do that, He will produce the fruit in my life. I'm speaking this to you as individuals. I'm speaking this to you as families. I'm speaking this to you together. Abide in the vine. You took time today to put your eyes on Jesus and to minister to the Lord. Abide in the vine. Equipping is good. Please don't mishear me. Equipping is good. Activation is good. We're going to talk about that in a second. But never allow anything that we do to become more important than abiding in Him. Because when we stop abiding in Him and begin to just go and do those things apart from abiding, it's apart from me, you can do nothing. So I just want to, we're going to move on from this, but I wanted to just leave you with this. Receive the seed of the kingdom thing that God is releasing 
right now in your life. Did you know <laughs> exponentially more Jesus speaks about the kingdom in seed form than he does in full fruit form? Hmm. That's astounding to me. But what he knows is this, if we will be willing to steward the seed, if we will be willing to steward the thing that God is doing, Peter, what you shared yesterday was so such a blessing to my heart because you said I had one word. And you stood on that word and you nurtured that one word through the storm into a place that now it's a stronghold for your life. Right? When we receive whatever God is doing, there's things that I see manifesting now in mine and Noah. They've been screwing for a long time. It's going to look different in the next five years than it has in the last five. Right? But it's not, and so some people are saying, how did this happen all of a sudden? And it's not going to be all of a sudden. Right? These are the secret place things that we carry when we walk in. Right? So the thing that God is releasing, cherish it, right? Cherish the kingdom thing that is coming to you in seed form, and then give yourself to nurturing it by abiding in God. Good? Everybody say good. Good. All right, let's move on to the next. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. After we read through this, this place in about knowing by the fruit, which both of those passages about fruit, that sounds scary. But Jesus isn't saying it to us as a threat. He's saying it to us as an invitation. When he says to the one who's casting out demons, he's not saying, like, you evil person I never want anything to do with. He said, depart from me, I don't know you. So his invitation to all of us is saying, what? Know me. Know me. Abide in me. Abide in my heart. Remain in me. I will remain in you. You remain in me. I remain in you. God, help us not to be distracted. Help us to remain in you. All right, back, back to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the, rock, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house and did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Say, founded on the rock. It's very interesting here. There's things that Jesus says. And by the time we extract them and we put them into our Sunday school version of the story or into our 22-minute message that, you know, is a part of our series, like a lot of times we take them away from the context they were said. When Jesus says in John 13 and again in John 15, when he's talking about, like, you are my friends if you keep my commandments, I'm sure that can apply to all the commandments in the Bible. What he's specifically saying is, by the way, my commandment is that you love one another the way I love you. When Jesus is speaking here, hey, Think about the things that I'm doing. If you hear the things I'm doing, or I'm saying to you, and you do them, you will be like the one who builds a house on a rock. He's speaking about the things he's just been talking about. He's maybe overall, you can say generically speaking about the Sermon on the Mount, but I think specifically, he's talking about what we just talked about. This place of, we are giving ourselves to knowing him. We are giving ourselves to the narrow way. Guys, we should not be surprised Whenever the life that we're walking doesn't match up with all the things that are happening in the world. We've been deceived as a church in America where we are offended that culture does not approve of righteousness. We need to stop looking for the government to fix that. It's never one time given to a government of any nation to fix that. It was called the church would be a city on a hill that stood out in the midst of darkness. And there's no power or law that can stop us 
from the fruit of the Spirit. It actually says at the end of the fruit of the Spirit, against such there is no law. So when we walk in abiding in the Holy Spirit, we walk in abiding in Jesus, and the fruit of that abiding now is made visible in our life, people are like, what the heck is that? How do you have joy right now? Don't you understand what's happening in the world around you? Yeah, I know. I receive the kingdom that can't be shaken. But if the church is so freaked out because what's happening in culture, and culture is rejecting righteousness, we have no message to stand in. But when we anchor ourselves upon the rock, say, founded on the rock, rock. I would like to say, as we move from fruitfulness to foundations, like there is a a solid, strong foundation that we build our life on, and when we align our lives with the teachings of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you, and again, please don't mishear me, but I want to say this uh, as as quickly, but as, as on purpose as I can, is don't identify your life around the principles of cultural Christianity, but align your life with the person of Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of things that we have thought were Christian that actually have nothing to do with Jesus. There are are things that we've called biblical worldview, and I'm not trying to, I'm not, again, please hear my heart, I love the Bible, and I think our lives should reflect the Bible. But there are things that are happening around us, and we we are missing the opportunity to put the Put the beauty of the man Jesus on display. It's not by works of righteousness that you've done, it's by his grace. Right? So does this make sense? When we get like when we get freaked out, the things that are happening around us are not good. Like, in a way, we're telling the world that our confidence is not in the power of Christ. But our confidence is in like culture having a good moral bearing. What does scripture say about the best of our own righteousness? It's filthy rags. We preach this gospel in churches all across the world, but yet we get offended whenever our filthy rags or the culture's filthy rags are filthy. We have an opportunity to put holiness on display by aligning our lives with Jesus Christ. What does that look like? I would encourage us as we as we look at, at this to just consider a couple things on this place of a foundation. First of all, make it really, really clear, there's only... One difference in what he says is a good foundation and what he says is a faulty foundation. What is it? Look back, look back at the word. Matthew 7. He says, those who hear and obey or hear and do build their life on a strong foundation. Those who hear and do not are built on sand. Would you please note that contrary to popular belief, building your life on a strong foundation does not prevent the storms of life from coming. But it does prepare us for it. I'm really concerned there's a gospel we preach that is so much about the blessing we can get when we come into alignment with God that we miss this part of it. How many of you know God does have a lot of blessing to give us, right? But we miss part of the gospel that says, if you follow me, there's going to be trials of every different kind. But you can be a good cheer because I've already overcome those things. He says very clearly here, I've just given you a lot of really important things, and if you listen to them and do them, you will be ready when the storms come. But have you ever experienced a time when the storms come and think, what did I do wrong? Well, we're going through spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. Sometimes doing wrong is real. But sometimes we begin to look for a problem in the midst of God bringing us through a place that your foundation is stronger. 
right? His foundation, when we walk through that adversity, He is not sitting far away in heaven, disinterested. He is, he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But there is something He has made about Himself. In Hebrews, uh, my, my daughter and I are going through the book of Hebrews, and one of the things that has stood out to us both as we're going through Hebrews is like it says that He, the captain of our salvation, is perfected through suffering. And if He walked that life, what an honor we have to follow in those steps. But we must make sure that our life is built on the foundation that we'll stand. Before we turn, go ahead and turn to James chapter 1. But before we read that passage, I want us to say this. Something that's really important to understand about the difference between rock and sand is what's the key ingredient of sand? Rock. It's not two different substances, one's a shattered substance. So it's not that we're like saying, oh, forget Jesus, we're going to go do our own thing. It's like we're, we're not standing on the whole, complete word, the whole, complete life of Jesus. He's our foundation. Not a little here, not a little there. He is my foundation. He is my source. I can stand, I can stand on the sand and it will feel, I feel a lot of rock on my feet. How many of you know you can't build on the sand? But when the storms come. So in the same way that when we do build our lives on a firm foundation, that does not stop us from going through the adversities. Not building our life on the, on the foundation also does not stop the storms from coming. But it is a place where we give ourselves to Him and we give ourselves to that foundation. We can trust that my life is built on a rock. And it's a rock that doesn't move. Hebrews talks about that with us. Okay? So, you want to bear fruit? The key to fruit is abiding. Turn over to James chapter 1. And we're just going to read a couple verses here uh, at the end of that passage. And then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up. James chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. This is what we will be blessed when he does. Now, in a culture where we have more access to more information, than the rest of history combined, so they tell us, right? We have access to books from hundreds of years ago. We have, I mean, if I just were to ask you what your top three authors or podcasters or whatever you want to do, we could have months of content just by sharing that with each other. But we live in a, in a culture that can often worship revelation. And we can worship with revelation and move on to the next revelation without ever having implemented his word. James will go on to talk about the word that gets implanted into us. The implemented word is the implanted word that will become the, the, the fruit that we were talking about before. The implemented word, the word that I'm like saying, okay, I'm wrestling with this word. How many of you have something God is teaching you right now and you don't know exactly what to do with it, but it's an invitation from God, like, as soon as I get it, I'm just going to be done. 
But instead of that, what if we said, hey, God, I'm going to wrestle with this word until there's something about this thing that you're speaking to me that I can allow to change my life. There's something about what you're inviting me to walk through in the midst of this moment that I'm going to engage with. And I'm not just going to go on to the next teaching. Like, listen, there's a lot of, I'm not, I'm not against books, I'm not against podcasts, I'm not against YouTube, but you can move on to the next episode, and, and what Jay says is we deceive ourselves. Could it be that part of what's happening is we're living in a place deceived by so many good things because we haven't allowed our lives to get built upon the word that we're hearing and doing? Remember, the difference between the good foundation and the faulty foundation is are we moving into alignment with our now, this has to flow from abiding, because it doesn't flow from abiding, this will come to four months. It has to flow from abiding, because if it doesn't flow from abiding, it's just simply I mean, to try to do everything. It's hard when you start teaching people how to prophesy, because next thing you know, they've got to have a prophetic word for every person they meet. But when we begin to understand, like we can make that into a lifestyle, as we abide in Him, it doesn't become about how many testimonies we're going to have the next time I come to, to a meeting. It becomes like as an abiding in him and walking with him. Now, there's fruit that's growing in my life. As he's speaking to me as I'm abiding to him. There was a time I was ready to plant our first church. And there was this church planter who came. And I was so excited to sit down in my meeting. I had my five-year vision. I was presenting to him. And he was like, so, he was so cool. He was a successful, successful church planter in the vineyard. And he's like, hey, uh, can we pray for a minute? I just feel like I'm hearing something from the I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, here's your copy of this document and this file and this file. He starts praying. He's like, Brad, I'll, I'll meet with you at a different time. I just keep hearing the Lord say, go home and love your wife. I'm like, are you kidding me? I have brought all these documents for you. Like, we've had this meeting on the boat for three weeks. You tell me to go home and love my wife. The thing that I knew is by the time I got home, my wife had to leave and go to work. He's like, yeah, the meeting's over. Go home and love your wife. I left. I called my wife. It was early in cell phone days, but I called my wife. I said, Adrian, do you feel like I love you? She's like, what's going on? And I told her what was happening, and so I got there and saw her for five minutes, and she left. And I'm sitting in my house on the other side of town. When, this is stupid. The phone rings. It's this guy from Australia. He said, I was praying for you this morning. I heard this phrase, go home and love your wife. <laughs> Can I tell you, there was something God was speaking to me that was more important than my plan for church planting. And in that moment, me taking the time to know, what does it mean for me to do this work? And I'm not saying this to boast, because I still feel like we're at the beginning. But it's so humbling for me to go places. The most powerful thing we do is that the message I speak, but the fact that I feel like God has given us something as a family that we can carry and share with other people. Yeah. And I wonder what would happen if I just would have moved forward in the strategy of planting churches and not said, God, what does it mean? Tell me how to love my wife. She knows I still have a long way to grow in that word now, 22 years later. I look back at that now, and I think, I heard Sierra say yesterday, we were talking about there's some stuff that God's been speaking about the way that, that you guys are going to work together and serving the community. Don't allow that to become a passive thing. If it happens, it happens. If the Lord's speaking it, hold on to that thing and contend. God, what does this look like? And it may not happen next month. But as you, and I know you will, I know you'll fast, I know you'll pray, I know you will. As you do, the Lord shows you. Maybe He won't show you how to feed 5,000 people. Maybe He'll show you how to adopt one single one. But if that's what He shows you, give yourself to it and nurture it with everything that you have. 
that's what it means to build your life on the rock. It's like, hey, what you say, with everything in me, I want to do what you say. He's not a slave master. He's not driving me. I'm not coming at this in this place. If I gotta be obedient because if I don't, he's gonna smack me on the wrist with a ruler. He is worth it. He is worth it. And because he's worth it, it's a foundation that you can give everything to go in your life on. Fruit, foundations, and focus, last thing. The end of that passage, verse 20 and 29, says, And they, and when Jesus had ended these things, they were astonished. Because he taught as one, having authority, not as the scribes. And I submit to you that not only do we live in a culture that is fascinated by revelation, but we live in a culture where you glorify the scribes. The person who can say it best and present it. And the most buttoned-up fashion are the people that we run to to be our teachers. I'm not saying that. I'm not speaking against. I'm just saying for us as followers of Jesus, the world is so hungry to see authentic, real, unpretentious authority from those who abide with Him. Acts chapter 4, there's a story where the disciples in chapter 3, Peter and John are healing this guy at the gate, beautiful, and they end up getting in trouble for it. So in Acts chapter 4, we see the trial that's happening before the Sanhedrin, and, and all of a sudden there's a statement. They took note that these were untrained, ordinary men that had been with Jesus. Today, we had a parable of the DNA and went to the gumball. <laughs> That's gross, y'all. Like, there was a little girl just running her hands up and down. <laughs> and Luke was like, I mean, Luke's a pretty cool dude. Like, Luke's like, oh, no, you know. It's like, really hard to watch. It's like seven year old girl. The mom's like, oh, that's so cute. Let's get a selfie of you raking your hands through that. Is there any man in here that's in right relationship with a local synagogue? 
All right, so we're like zero. <laughs> but Jesus said this, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst. I'm in the midst. What do you think it would look like? Guess you guys know, there are so many prayer ministries happening in Seattle and in this region. It is ridiculous. It's more, I, my job is I'm the director of the United States Mission for an international mission board. And I will tell you, there's not another place that I know in the United States that has so many different prayer ministries that have felt called to rise up. There's one guy, and the only reason I know about this is because of the word saturated that I got. I started researching, I found this guy, and I'm so hopefully to meet with him this week. He has got 300 churches together committed to saturate the sound. 300 churches, and I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> there are people that meet with the mayor and pray for the mayor. They, they have access and favor with the mayor every Thursday. There's another group that meets on Monday mornings on Zoom. There's a group that meets on Thursdays at Westlake Mall, and they are praying and prayer walking. There's all groups happening all over this region. So we're not coming here to do something that no one else is doing. Don't allow the enemy to drop that in. He is jealous for a body. We are coming just to do our part. We are just we're just coming to do our part. We're just coming to recognize that there's something you put in us in our relationship. So could you stand up tonight? We're gonna pray and finish. But the question I want to ask you guys, Jesus, what are you doing in the midst? Jesus, what are you doing in the midst of this friendship? That doesn't have to be when everyone's here. I know there's some people that would want to be here tonight right here. You know what? He's still in the midst because there's two or three gathered in his hand. There are times when I write, oh, this is going to be a significant moment, and then like half of our church doesn't show up. <laughs> you know, it's easy for me to readjust my faith and say, well, I have to wait for a different time. No, where two or three are gathered is he's in the midst. Jesus, what, do you, what, what is the thing I can hold with you? I have a secret relationship with him in the prayer closet. That's not the church. That's my abiding with him. I'm not called to be the right. We are called to be reflection of the right. Okay. So can we just begin to pray right now? Let's just say, can we take two minutes right now to begin to pray? You begin to ask that Jesus, what are you doing in the midst? I'm going to pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. You just want to say those words, Jesus, what are you doing in the midst? But let's ask right now for God's release of a, a, a place in us where we are focusing our lives on him. Our Hebrews chapter 12 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The way that we abide in Him, the way that we move our lives into obedience with Him, is we just simply align ourselves with the life of Jesus revealed by His Spirit to us today, revealed in His Word, through His words, His actions, His attitudes. Jesus, we just ask right now in this place, and I thank you for the space that we bless what you're doing in this space. We bless what you're doing on this block. We bless what you're doing. And Holy Spirit, I invite you now to come. And when you just begin to speak to your people right now, what are you doing in the midst of us? Jesus, what are you doing in the midst of friendship? What are you doing in the midst of this thing that is forming with fire Seattle? God, what are you doing in the midst of other relationships with other believers and other churches? What are you doing in the midst of the city? Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. God, we are, we are hungry to see your face revealed. Jesus, we are hungry to see. I believe there's a word that has been released over you. I believe there's a word that God has said that the Pacific Northwest and New England 
are going to be the first fruit of a harvest that is already ready. But it's really important that we see it because like, these are the least church places in America. But what America needs is not more cultural Christianity. America needs Jesus. America needs a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. And I just say, God, right now, we just say, Jesus, what are you doing in the midst? God, we bless every church. God, we bless every, every believer that is calling your, on your name. It puts their hope in your name. But we say, Jesus, move beyond our boxes. Move beyond our understanding. And come and whisper to us tonight. Father, I pray that in, at, the, at this place where fire is forming, God, I pray for a foundation of family. God, we release the grace that you put in our lives. We release that grace. We know it's already here, but we just say more of that here, God. That as these, these friends begin to follow you more and more together, as they begin to say, yes, Jesus, we'll, we'll take that opportunity to see what it looks like for us to love one another the way you love us. God, I pray that family can be sown into the foundations as fire is forming, and that would be a part of the revelation of Jesus Christ in this region. We pray for the face of Jesus to be revealed, and we pray for the bride of Christ to be recognized in because of the way we love each other. So, Father, I ask that now. Can I invite you to just lay your hands on your heart right now? And if there's anything, like, I don't know, I ask that right after this, but if there's anything that wants to pray, I'm happy to pray for people, but like, I just want to pray for you. But would you lay hands on your heart as we pray right now? And would you have faith right now that God is alive and He's moving? His Holy Spirit is here. As we exalt the name of Jesus and as we. Ask Him to move our lives in line with His. I just want to pray a prayer. God, these people are here tonight. They stay tonight because they're hungry. You say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled, God, so I don't speak by my authority, I speak by the authority of your word, a fresh filling right now in the name of Jesus. But I, I pray that as you fill us, you would provoke our hearts to hunger even more. Some of you, I just want to encourage you, maybe you don't feel as hungry as you want to, just tell them that, God, I want to want you more. God, I want to want you more. I just bless you. Jesus, he was the one who, who appeared in Revelation 1 to John on the Isle of Patmos as the one whose face shone like the sun in all of their strength, but yet he appeared in the midst of the lampstands. That makes no sense for the sun and all its strength to show up in the midst of seven candles. But the seven candles are his church, and Jesus is committed, he's not doing it without us. So I bless you. I bless you in the name of Jesus. 
to hear the words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. I bless you to have fresh fire. I bless you to have fresh fire and for you to stay focused in the midst of this time. So that regardless of what people are, you may say, you say, I know what God has called us to. And we're going to let the fruit of what it means to follow Jesus be the thing that speaks to the glory of his name. Jesus, we love you and bless you. Encourage you people to stay. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes. Fire Movement has a mission to bring people face-to-face with the real Jesus. If you love this show and ministry, please consider subscribing, leaving a five-star rating, and most importantly, sharing the podcast with others on social media. Also, would you please consider one-time or monthly support to help us sustain and grow this show so that others can be stirred to hunger for more of the real Jesus? You can do so by going to firemovement.com support, Venmo at firemovement, or cash app dollar sign firemovement. Thank you.